We're in the book of Judges, and uh, uh, what I've given you in the handout will have some of these things, but not all of them. But I want to talk about very quickly, Judges is not a book of the Bible that we're often in. It can be difficult because you can get bogged down, honestly, in all of the blood very, very quickly. That's not what the book is about. The book is about God rescuing his people despite their failures. And what is the most important thing that any one of us can pray for? Which I strongly believe is the faith of our children. Keep my children's faith strong. Um, if there is one thing that, that, that overrides my prayers throughout my whole life, it is that, that God would protect my children from distractions and unbelief. Their faith is even if they end up as beggars, I would rather have them be believing beggars than unbelieving anything else. Um, so uh, we begin anyway and end the book with some of Israel's failures. Then we go through some judges, and I'm going to give you all 12 uh, here in just a kind of a scattergun. Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Barak, and you might know Barak better for the woman who helped him, who is Deborah. Um, and then Gideon, who is the shining star in all of the book of Judges. Gideon is by far the snowy mountaintop in the book of Judges. He's the one who does the greatest job. Um, he is followed by his own son, Abimelech, who is the most miserable uh, uh, so-and-so in the book, who kills all of his brothers, 80 of them, on the same stone with a knife or a sword, and uh, is judge or anti-judge for about two years. But Then there is Tola, Jer, Jephthah, Ibzan, Elon, Abdon, and the one you know the best, Samson, although you know one other name on this list, not from the Bible. Elon? Elon Musk? Elon Musk? <laughs> Whose cars tripled in price yesterday, according to NPR? Oh yeah, Tesla prices skyrocketed all of a sudden. They were going to go down and then down and then down and now, whoa, are they ever expensive all of a sudden all over again. So anyhow, and then there's an epilogue about Israel's failures and the epilogue is not chronological. I believe that the epilogue happens very early in the book um, and we'll talk about some more of this. But as I mentioned before uh, we got started, the, to remember the more important judges, you might remember this acronym, the early bird gets juicy sausage. That is E-B-G-J-S. Ehud, Barak, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson. Those are the more important five judges. If you remember five judges, I would hope it would be them. Um, so, uh, and Ehud, famous for what? Physical characteristic? He killed the fat one, which with which hand? Which hand? Left hand. Ehud was a lefty. The left-handed man. Yeah, that's Ehud. But yes, he killed the super fat guy, Eglon, 
by losing his sword, it went so far in that he couldn't retrieve it into the fat of King Eglon. So, oops, I've lost it. You know, it just disappeared. And then Barak, famous for his uh, cowardice without help from a prophetess. So her name was Deborah. Then there is uh, the great one, Gideon, who had trouble with his son. I've already talked about that. Jephthah, who had trouble with his daughter. We'll talk about her and that tragedy a little bit later, if you already know that. We'll just, we'll get to it eventually. And then Samson, who had trouble with someone else. Samson had trouble with three Philistine women. But for some reason, those raven-haired, dark-eyed Philistine beauties, nine feet tall and 12 fingers and 12, I'm kidding. I'm sure his Philistine girlfriends were not nine feet tall, but he liked the Philistine chicks. So, yeah. Um, and then on your, on your handout, I have printed uh, 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 12 slice pie graph or pie chart, which is not how I cut a pizza, but it's how some people do. Um, and uh, I'm going to show you just briefly the major judges in order. If we get, begin with Othniel, they're all in all capital letters. I'm going to spend a couple minutes on this pie graph. You can just watch if you want to. So Othniel and Ehud comes right after him. Then Barak, quite a while later, or no, I'm sorry, immediately after is Gideon. Then quite a while later is Jephthah. And then at the very end is Samson. Those are the major judges. I've already told you Ehud, Barak, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson. Othniel is the first one. Othniel is the brother of Caleb. Do you remember who Caleb was from the story of the Exodus? He's one of the two spies who thought God was right. So he and, uh, and Joshua got to live. So that's, that's, who, that's who Othniel is the younger brother. The, the kid brother of Caleb. So he was in the Exodus, but was very young or wasn't born yet when the Exodus began. So he doesn't die in the wilderness, but that's Othniel, the first of the judge. But we're not going to spend a lot of time with him, and I, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if you don't remember him later. The big five are definitely early bird gets the juicy sausage, Ehud, Barak, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson. If I say them often enough, are you going to remember them? Will you remember Samson at least? I'm happy enough. All right, let's keep going. Now I'm going to fill in the minor judges. Just watch it on the screen. And they're not going to be in all capitals. We usually only have one verse about each of these guys. That's why they're minor judges. So Shamgar, who has a small exploit. Tola and Jer, about whom we know almost nothing. And then Ibzen, Elon, and Abdon brings us to 12 judges. If we have 12 judges, what does that suggest to you about where they're all from? Could it be that they're one from each tribe? Well, um, before we get to that, let's just look at, remember that in Gideon, if you see Gideon over on the upper right, his son is Abimelech. And I want you to see my special effect there because it took me 25 minutes to create that stupid special effect. Um, okay. And then uh, under Barak, above him, is uh, Deborah or Deb. I thought that since one of our 
classmates is named Deb. I would just start calling her Deb all the time. So anyway, um, but the tribes that they're from, we know almost all of these for real. So Othniel is from Judah, Ehud from Benjamin, Shamgar, I believe, was from the tribe of Simeon. But I will tell you that Dr. Lorenz, who wrote the People's Bible on Judges, disagrees with that. But because of the circumstances and so forth, I think it was uh, Simeon. It's not that important in the end. Barak is certainly from Naphtali. Gideon is from Manasseh, and so is his son Abimelech. Tola uh, is from Issachar. Jer is from Gad. Jeph oh, sorry, uh, Jephthah is from Reuben. <clears throat> Ibzan is from Asher. Elon is from Zebulun. Abdon is from Ephraim. And anybody know where Samson is from? Dan. What tribe is left out? Levi. Yeah, why would Levi be left out? Levi had other issues. Yeah, in that when we number the 12 and we include Ephraim and Manasseh, that means that one tribe gets kicked out because they take over for Joseph and Levi is the one. The curiosity here about Levi is that after the time of Moses and Joshua, by the way, the book of Joshua, um, I think, is about 15 years long. It's not a very long period. Joshua was really old. And, but the conquest under Joshua is maybe a decade and a half or so. Moses dies around 1406 BC, and the end of Joshua seems to be around 1390. So that's, is that 14 years? Anyway, 14, 15 years. Uh, uh, so Othniel is still around and so forth. And, but where are the Levites after the conquest of the, of the land begins? Well, they were allotted cities. Levitical cities, but the Israelites haven't conquered any of them yet. So the Levites in the book of, Ju of Judges are depicted as sort of wandering nomads. It's really a shame. Uh, the Levites we meet are not having a good life. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of talk about that as we're going, but it's not great. Until we start conquering some Levitical cities, the Levites are really at the mercy of the other tribes and, and other people's generosity. Um, now, if you would look at the screen and watch the color scheme, I'm going to do something else with this picture, which I get from uh, Professor Jay Williams, who is not of our fellowship. But about the time I was starting college to become a professor, he, a pastor, sorry, didn't go to college to become a professor. Um, he published a paper on the book of Judges using this wheel, which he referred to as a, as a calendar outline, rather than a Western ABC 123 outline, which all of us in America or Europe or Africa are addicted to, um, and Australia. But people in the East, especially the Middle East and maybe Asia, are more into circles and spirals and things. The Gospel of John has kind of a spiral outline and... The Revelation has a spiral outline, and this thing kind of has a spiral outline, or a circle outline at least. And because we have all the tribes, we can do something with the tribal mothers. How many mothers were there of the 12 tribes? The sons of Israel. 
Israel had Jacob, how many wives? Two and two more, four. Leah, Rachel, and then their two maidservants, right? These are the mothers of the 12 tribes. If we just look at the tribes that have Leah for a mother, we come up with this pattern on the screen. So those that are in dark green all would have, have Leah as their ancestral mother. Um, that's Judah, Simeon, Issachar, uh, Reuben, and Zebulun. Okay, those are, the, those are the five. There's also something curious here. We already have a pattern building. Um, the tribes that have Rachel as their mother. Now, Rachel was the mother of only two boys, right? Joseph and Benjamin. But Joseph divides into two tribes. So Rachel's represented by three. Uh, I'm, I'm using, is it maroon to you? Dark red or something like that? Yeah. And again, this pattern is developing on, on this cycle. Uh, uh, the, um, uh, uh, then we have uh, Bilhah, who is one of, the, one of the serving girls. She is Rachel's servant girl. Bilhah, uh, bright red. And then light green, if it shows up as light green, is it kind of a paler green on the screen there? Um, Zilpah, who would be Leah's maidservant. So this is, now if you, now look at something else here. If you start in the upper left-hand corner where it says Ehud in the maroon, if you go around the circle there clockwise, this is the pattern just counting the mothers. Rachel, Leah, Bilhah, Rachel, Leah, Zilpah, Rachel, or Leah at the, at the end. But if you go counterclockwise from the same place, it's the same pattern. Rachel, Leah, Bilhah, Rachel, Leah, Zilpah, Leah. So if you start at Ehud and go either way, it's the same exact pattern. Now, the reason I bring this up is that one of the reasons that uh, uh, Professor or Dr. Williams, I don't know which he is, um, one of the things that he was trying to, to point out is the, the intellectual and scholarly wasteland of the 19th and 20th centuries. Um, how, many, how many generations really in a century? Five generations in a century, about 20 years per generation. That's 10 generations of wasted Bible scholarship or at least nine generations, the, the, all of the 19th and most of the 20th century, saw Bible scholars obsessed with the Graf-Wellhausen theory of the origin of Scripture, that none of the Bible, in their opinion, was really written before about 500 B.C. All of it originates after the exile. Moses never existed David probably never wrote a word to him himself. He would have been an unschooled, illiterate, uh, 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 randy bully or whatever and so forth. And you can't prove anything else. And, and that was Graf Wellhausen's theory. They came up with something they called the JEDP theory, which is the Yahwist writer and then the Elohist 
and then the Deuteronomist, and then the priestly writer, and then some redactor afterwards. And they believe that none of those guys really lived, and that you can't prove anything, and scripture is just a jumble of stories. Well, using Wellhausen's own logic, I have to tell you that I can't prove that he ever existed. <laughs> I think maybe some students just came up with a theory and invented his name to support their theory, and that's what we came down with. I can't even identify that he was ever even buried anywhere. So let's just move on from Graf and Wellhausen. Uh, and, uh, and just, but what Williams is trying to do here is to show there is a structure in the book of Judges. In fact, whether you use uh, a circular Eastern logic or a straight ABCD Western logic, Judges follows a pattern, a definite pattern, and it has a structure, and it is crafted very carefully. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's just how the judges appeared. Um, and he may, the, the author may even have doctored this because, for example, Tola and Jer over on the right side, are they chronological or are they just geographical? And did Jer actually live five years before Tola? You know, I, I don't know. It doesn't make much of a difference, really, does it? Or Ibzan, Elan, and Abdon. You know, were, are they really chronological or did he doctor the story? He hardly tells us anything about them anyway. So when did one live and when did the other live? But he's arranged them this way to tell us the story for a reason. And I think that, that in, in, by and large, yeah, Othniel comes first, Ehud comes second, Barak is next with a big crisis, Gideon, the huge crisis, and, and, and then onward from there. Come on in, guys. Welcome. And, uh, oh, there's kind of something for Yana to color, even if she wants to. Um, so on the front there. But I have the color scheme on the screen right now. But um, so, um, and there's coffee if you guys want it. Jameis, are you interested in coffee? No. No? Okay. <laughs> Neither am I. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm going to be using this wheel a couple times during the class uh, just to show you kind of the pattern of the judges and so forth. But it's kind of cool to see just how this fits in with the mothers and things. So we got one mother. If you guys want to quickly look at the screen, that, and the, the sequence of the judges follows one mother, Leah, then Rachel, then Bilhah, then Zilpah. And the, the order is there's a pattern to the, to the thing, but... Anyway, more about that later time. Um, all right. The general events in the book of Judges begin around 1390 BC. They go to seven to rather 1050. So is that about 200 and how many years? To, uh, 250, something like that, uh, roughly. Um, the writing of the book, uh, I believe, probably finally happens around 1050, toward the end of the time of the Judges. Probably immediately after the death of Samson. Um, and uh, we know the most about Samson, of, of course, so he's the last story. Um, we know a lot about him. If you were going to write your own life's story, the more recent events might have more detail because they just happened, you know, as opposed to stuff that happened to your grandpa, something like that. Uh, we don't know who wrote Judges, but 
Um, I'm kind of partial to Samuel himself, maybe being the author that makes sense to me. He is often called the last judge, and he is called a judge at the beginning of 1 Samuel, but he's not in the book of Judges. But he himself judged Israel um, the way that the judges did until he started anointing kings. Um, and the theme of the book in general is a verse that keeps coming up a couple times in the book. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Or as Linda Ronstadt once said when she was still singing with the stone ponies, you and I march to the beat of a different drum, right? Except it was God's drum, so we shouldn't be marching to God's drum. But anyway, yeah. Um, at the end of the book of Joshua, then, where are we when Judges starts? Um, first of all, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh possessed land east of the Jordan um, and east of the Sea of Galilee. So a couple tribes have some land. The rest of Israel has moved into Canaan. They have captured the city of Jericho. Quite a bit of the book of Joshua goes by, a third before we ever get to Jericho. But they've, so they've captured at least, they, I mean, Jericho's destroyed. They don't rebuild it. In fact, there's a curse on the city. But they're hanging out there down in the, in the valley of the Jordan River. Um, and from Jericho, we'll see this in, the, in chapter 1, if I ever get to chapter 1, is that everything from Jericho is up. So they immediately start talking about who will go up because everything is up from Jericho. It's called the City of Palms, City of the Moon. has a couple different names, but Jericho. Uh, so Israel has been there. Israel also, in the book of Joshua, possesses Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. But they don't really have any settlements there, but at least they have control, which is important. Those are high mountains. And to have anybody who's a Star Wars fan knows that you have to have the high ground or else you get your legs cut off by Obi-Wan. Spoiler. Sorry. Okay. Um, so... Uh, that's in the Canaanite center. And that becomes an, an important point for the, for the conquest. Then, at the end of the story part of Joshua, which is nowhere near the end of the book, but maybe two-thirds of the way through Joshua, we have the actual conquest ends. After that, it's just all throwing dice to see who gets to go where. But just because they got the dice throw, the, the lots fell, doesn't mean that they own it now, right? They have to battle for it and so forth. So anyway, we do have a couple of conquests happening around chapter, I forget, 15, Judges 14, 15, something like that. Uh, the, first they go south, the southern cities on the west of the hill country, including a couple of Philistine cities, are going to be attacked at least. So in that hill country, in, in, your, in your mental map left of Jerusalem, are going to be, are going to be uh, gone after. And then way in the north, some other northern cities like Shechem and Bethel and uh, around the Sea of Galilee, you have um, Magdala and other places like that that may have been captured, some this and that's, but not enough for everybody to move into yet. So we still have a problem with two million people and three big tracts of land on the wrong side of the river and a huge camp 
at around the ruins of Jericho. That's what's going on at the beginning of Judges. Okay. Also, just a couple things about the end of Joshua before we get going with the book. Moses died in 1406, about 15 years ago. Aaron, his brother, the first high priest, right? The first high priest of Israel, he died before Moses. His son Eliezer, the second high priest, died now at the very end of Joshua. There are three burials at the end of Joshua. Joshua, Eliezer, and the bones of Joseph. Finally, at the end of Joshua, they lugged Joseph's bones all the way through the Exodus. Can you imagine that's what your job is? To carry the bone, this, this sarcophagus out of Egypt? The bones of Joseph. And they finally buried Joseph um, with Grandpa. Um, at, uh, and, and Eliezer gets buried at Gibeah near Shiloh. And now the third high priest of Israel is Phineas. That's Aaron's grandson. Uh, and uh, so this is what's going on at the beginning of the book. This is where we are. About two-thirds of the way through Judges, um, the high priest, we're not going to be told this, but we know from Samuel that he is the priest who was high priest at the beginning of Samuel. Anyone remember his name? He had the naughty boys who lost the Ark of the Covenant. Eli. Eli. Very good, Marcia. Yeah, Eli. So once again, five main stories. Um, I have an acronym for the five most important judges, which is the early bird gets juicy sausages. Okay. E, the B would be Barak. Deborah wasn't a judge. She was a prophetess. E-B-G-J-S. Okay, the early bird gets juicy sausages. I'll keep repeating that. So if you can remember any of the judges, you might remember that. Ehud. Now, this is, this is our Western outline of judges. Not our Eastern circle outline, but our Western A-B-C-D-E outline, so, which is actually a chiasm. A very, very, very familiar thing in the, in the, in the scriptures. So A, the, the top thing matches the bottom thing. Okay, that kind, of, that kind of outline. So in the beginning, we have a lone hero who fights an enemy from the east. Okay? Then we have an outsider, in this case a woman who is not a judge. An outsider from one of the tribes of Joseph battles the Canaanites. That's Deborah. Okay. In the middle of the book, the guy who is, remember I described Gideon as he is the, the snow-capped mountain? You know what? If you don't plug it in, your computer battery starts to run low in the middle of class. How about if I charge it up above 2% left? There we go. Did that go away, though? I had, a, I had a warning on my screen. Did you have it on yours? No. Okay, okay. Okay, it's all better. It's, all, it's okay. All righty. Okay. Okay, Gideon is the, the, the shining peak of the judges, the gem at the middle of the book. So Gideon is the ideal judge, but his son is the antithesis of that. He's the naughty boy. Then Jephthah is the other outcast, also from one of the tribes of Joseph, and he wins the victory against another of the great enemies, the Ammonites. So you see how the thing, and then at the end, Samson, 
a lone hero versus the enemy from the West. Who is the enemy from the West that Samson goes up against? The Philistines, yeah, yeah. Any, uh, any questions on the outline or my introductory stuff so far? You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.